the raw milk is incredibly resilient. If you listen to all the, the noise, there's a lot of fear-mongering about what could happen. But um, in reality, it's shown us that so long as we're starting with really fresh, clean milk, the process is looks after itself pretty much. My name is Dan Sims, and welcome to Raw Month here at the Mole Cheese Collective podcast, where we speak to the makers, growers, farmers, and families who just happen to make the best raw milk cheese in Australia. Today, we talk with Burke Brandon from Prom Country Cheese in South Gippsland, Victoria. Last year, they released the Moyara Reserve, which was the first raw milk cheese in Victoria for over 80 years. It's been a wild 12 months since for sure, so we thought it a great chance to check in and see how things are a year after release. Challenging year aside, Burke, along with his wonderful wife Bron, took some time to reflect and fine-tune not only their own processes, but build on the connections with their customers, crucial to all businesses, and probably most importantly, build confidence in their production method. Burke also offers some great insights into the barriers to raw milk production in Australia and we get into the nitty gritty about pH, acidity, cultures, one of my favourite topics, and the potential, well, hopeful, chance of making a raw milk blue cheese in Australia. Well, maybe that's just us projecting our own wants. Look, this is a great one for the true curd nerds, so let's get into it. Berg Brandon, welcome back to the Mold Cheese Collective Podcast. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad. It's great to be uh, looking forward to the mold box again. Oh, it's uh, it is very nice to actually talk about raw milk, and we're recording this um, on a glorious South Gippsland day uh, in the sun, sitting outside. It all seems very civilized. It's almost like uh, almost normal, <laughs> even one and a half meters apart. <laughs> exactly, fairly socially distanced uh, as well. Well, mate. Um, obviously, uh, this month, the entire month of October, we're talking about raw milk cheese and uh, the importance of it and celebrating all things about it. Um, we've got your Moyara Reserve back in the collective box again this year. Uh, we did it for the first time uh, last year. It was the first time it was released. <laughs> Aside from um, the, the obvious madness that is uh, COVID, how's the last year been? It was pretty exciting last year. It was our, our initial launch of Moyara Reserve, so it co- coincided really nicely. And... Um, yeah, the, the, the last year has been interesting, but um, in some ways it's given us a bit more time to focus on on things like our, our internal projects and that and, um, and streamline things and, and um, look at you know how we want to do things. For with the Moyara Reserve, it was its first time released last year. Uh, we've got it in the mold box this year. Is there any sort of differences or uh, from from the first release to this release? Or how, how has the cheese evolved since the first time you um, got it out to market? Well, the thing we've found with the raw milk is that it kind of is what it is. And it has its own its own path, really. It, it, it tells us what it's going to do compared to the pasteurised milk where we're adding cultures to it to get it to try and um, express how we want it to and the raw milk is the other way around it's um, it's already sort of 
decided what what it's going to do, and it's just our job to to guide it in the sort of right direction. Um, so it's more it's more us that has evolved um, over time as as we learn more about how the raw milk behaves and um, how the cheese matures in the cellars, how it evolves over time. It's teaching us, and so the the biggest changes is really just in ourselves um, as a learning experience, um, and also it's given as time goes on, we've um, developed a lot more confidence in the process ourselves of learning to to know how it evolves and what to expect, and um, also the biggest thing I guess is having confidence in in the process itself that the raw milk is incredibly resilient if you listen to all the the noise there's a lot of fear mongering about what could happen but um, in reality it's shown us that so long as we're starting with really fresh clean milk the process is looks after itself pretty much so what do you think the biggest learning has been uh, say this year with the Maya Reserve you were saying that it sort of tells you what to do what did it tell you? <laughs> tells me to stop interfering and just let it do its thing. Um, it's it's largely influenced by the our environment and, and the bugs that are already in the milk, and um, we've just got to to organise our process around that. Um, the only thing we've really really changed um in the last year is um made more of it <laughs> so we've had the the confidence after the release last year that people love it and um and hungry for more of it so yeah the, the last season we we were able to plan for it more in our milk production and <clears throat> the best time to do it is when we have the uh the freshest milk through the peak of spring and so we we made all of our raw milk production from October to December, and then after that's the end of the project, and then we go on to other things after that. So in terms of total production of raw milk cheese for say uh, prom country cheese, what I mean, what percentage is it? Like five, ten percent? How how has how important has the Maya Reserve been to the business? It's probably more important to to us than the percentage of our production. Um, it's still only a, a minor part of our production, maybe ten percent. Um, and some of our cheeses will will never be raw milk, and they don't necessarily need to. To us, the Moyara Reserve is the the raw milk cheese that belongs to our farm, and that's the 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 most. Um, the most accurate description of our microflora in, in our environment is Mayara Reserve and it suits our system because we have a seasonal production of sheep milk and most of that milk is through the springtime so that's when we, we like to feature the, the raw milk and it, um, you get the, um, the biggest um, input of, of floral aromas from the, the pastures at that time of year when you've got a large diversity in the feed. Oh, and, and we're 
sitting outside today and it's like this first hint of spring i think it's almost going to get to 20 degrees today you can sort of feel it in the air and there's uh it's like some lambs running around in the background (laughs) over there (laughs) Uh, it's amazing and you took me even though say it's a you know said it's a small production side but the importance of it is obviously there for yourself and the brand um how has the response been uh to the maya reserve from Uh, a customer's point of view yeah, generally, um, the feedback we've been getting is don't change anything. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and, and you know, trying to be better at how I do things by being more consistent and um, doing the right things at the right time, basically, which is the same for most cheese. But, um, yeah, knowing where the more we do with raw milk, the more we learn to know what to expect and get the the right things happening at the right time so what what sort of advice would you give to somebody from a cheese from a, as a cheese producer to another person who's looking to make a raw milk cheese what would you say to them what would be your advice uh, to have confidence in the the consumers feedback from it um, not not just the feedback but the response um, that people are looking for that extra more interesting flavor it is certainly a huge investment in, in time of, of um, going through the process of getting the, the per- permission to, to do it safely um, and having confidence in your own, in your own process that it's safe as well um, which is hugely important to to the whole concept and industry of raw milk is um, it all been a positive experience for everyone, which it has been. And it, you talk about sort of the time investment, obviously monetary investment as well. Do you still see that as a major hurdle for other producers getting into making raw milk cheese, or are there a whole range of other factors uh, that that come into play? Um, I suppose what am I really asking is that those what are the main barriers, you know, to the UC for the industry to to produce more raw milk cheese here in Australia? Yeah, look, it certainly takes a lot of preparation and, and paperwork to, to be able to do it and ongoing as well. But really the biggest hurdle is having quality milk. That's first and foremost. And the easiest way to do that is by having your own milking herd that you're um, in control of their the animal health and the feed that they're on. Um, and the access to the fresh milk getting it straight from the dairy very really quickly so um, that you know kind of rules out some producers that aren't close to the milk source so it really does suit the farmhouse producer that that run their own animals on site on the farm like we do in terms of obviously the Australian cheese making community is quite broad and vast and uh we're in australia obviously the the tyranny of distance uh always comes into play and and in particular when we can't travel or move around or gather um to to talk and converse and and have these conversations but in terms of other cheese making cheese makers out there are you in regular communication uh with them do you talk about the the challenges the positives and how, how does that how has that community grown or stayed in touch over the past 12 months when we've been in this crazy pandemic well it hasn't really changed too much for specialty cheesemakers we've historically been few and far between across the country 
And so certainly the, the digital age has helped greatly with that. And um, it's the association with Australian Specialty Cheese Association has been invaluable. They've helped us a lot with the, the initial um, getting off the ground with the raw milk and, um, and ongoing um, discussing the, the requirements with, with other producers has been really good. Yeah, I've always loved that about uh, it is such a small community, but also yeah, it's quite diverse as well. Like there must be so many sort of learnings that uh, you would have for especially on this path. I mean, being there's in terms of Australian producers, there's still is there still only really four who are making raw milk cheese in Australia? More or less, yeah. There's there's no um, new applications that I'm aware of at this time. I I guess it is hard to be difficult to get inspired to be creative at the moment <laughs> but yes. um for as far as doing new things but and uh, these sort of things do take time it's not something you just decide to do this week and start doing it the next it's it took us a couple of years in in con- concept stage to to make it happen um <clears throat> and yeah every Every as every region is different, every cheesemaker is different, and um, I think that's what um, consumers should celebrate is the the local nature of their their cheese, especially nowadays. Um, that the yeah the cheese made by your your local producer, uh, especially with raw milk, is really going to express their their local environment. Yeah. It, well, speaking of consumers or cheese lovers as I like to say you know what is the one thing you'd want to drive home in terms of educating the the cheese lover on raw milk cheese yeah it's probably in the tasting I suppose that um, as people would find anyway but um, the the huge difference with the raw milk is that it's length of flavor length and depth of flavor that it's not the kind of cheese you chuck in your mouth and, and taste it and then go on to the next one. You, you've really got to give it time to wait for those aftertastes to come through, or not just the aftertaste, but the whole range of, of flavour experiences from the initial flavour to the middle body of the flavour and then, you know, 10, 15 seconds later, the, the aftertaste then. So um, that's kind of the, the journey that you get from raw milk cheese that so special um appreciating it on its own before you have it with something else yeah i I love what you talk about there in terms of the length of flavor and i do remember the first time tasting the myo reserve and i think i said this last year is that we were there with the team and you just put this cheese in front of us uh and just said taste this what do you think and i remember going oh yeah that's really nice and then I, i i had to ponder and then i was like oh hang on a minute what what is this and the the flavor kept on going and going uh, and the more time, it, it, I suppose what I'm saying is it, it captures your attention, uh, whereas you sort of, it's subtle in its uh, intensity and um, and it's got depth and breadth of flavour, I think is what I really love about the Mayara Reserve. It is that something that's really distinct. It's got all these character, uh, these elements to it and characters, but you sort of need to sit there and, as you say, just, ponder and actually let it tell you that story I suppose when you're eating it as well as I suppose what you were saying before about in terms of producing it it's a it's a pretty remarkable cheese and that 
that time that you give the cheese is also a good opportunity to to think about where the cheeses come from and um, the flavors are one thing but you know there's the whole other story of of the environment where the cheeses come from and the animals and what is what's gone into creating those different flavors that are different from other cheeses you might try we're recording this uh in august which was about halfway through lambing season how how how's that been going for you uh, on the farm yeah it's not not a bad spring for the for the girls um it's been relatively mild but even in a mild year it's mud from end to end where we are <laughs> so um you're about halfway through lambing and um we we don't really think about the raw milk cheese too much um until all the lambing's done and dusted because the milk does change quite significantly from the start of the season to later in the spring. Um, and it's that um, height of spring milk that we're really looking for for the Mayara Reserve. We want milk um, that's not too high in, in lactose or or cream as well. So, um, and one of the aspects of Mayara Reserve is the the real fresh floral notes that we get from it um, and the initial flavours has a real fresh zing to it and we want to highlight that with that, that spring milk. In terms of the spring milk you're saying uh, obviously don't do it when they're, they're lambing. You know, what, what are the sort of char- I mean you talk about that zing, where is that coming from? Is that from the fresh grass? Is that from um, local fl- uh, flowers or where, where are those uh, amazing flavours coming from? Uh, you've heard the concept you are what you eat and that's certainly um, relevant to to dairy animals and, and milk. The milk is a direct expression of what the animals are eating and not only what they're eating but the health of their, their guts as well. The, um, it's all coming from the all those wonderful little microbes and bugs in, in their guts converting the feed to milk. Um, and so yeah that's that's what we're we're tasting what are you are you working on anything in particular at the moment Burke is there going to be another raw milk cheese at prom country what's uh, what's in the pipeline or what can you say is in the pipeline <laughs> uh, not at this stage um, yeah we're we're fairly happy with where most of our cheeses are at the moment um, without stuffing around with them uh, too much um, yeah, a lot of a lot of our cheeses um, are good how they are. They don't need to be raw milk, and there's a, there's a few barriers to to going down that path with some of our cheeses. Um, one of the things about raw milk is that it's um, really kind of inefficient compared to pasteurised cheeses. Um, Why is that? It's essentially you're dealing with um, very small batches of cheese because the, the milk has to be completely fresh from the same day of milking. Um, so instead of saving milk up from multiple days and making one big batch of cheese, you've got to make it every single day. So it's quite inefficient. And some of our cheeses, there's no, no benefit for going down that path, um, even though we could. Um, it's... You, you know in Europe where a lot of cheesemakers only make one or two cheeses, and that's kind of the reason when you're making raw milk 
cheese every single day, you kind of need to make the same cheese all the time or it conflicts with other cheeses that, that you've made the rest of the week. So, um, yeah, we've kind of got this routine that through spring just about all we make is raw milk and we get in the real mindset of and the routine of keeping that culture going um, day after day um, until we've made enough raw milk cheese and then we, we, we leave it and go on to milking, making particularly our, our blues through the autumn when the, the milk is creamier and, and suits that style of cheese better. Speaking of blue cheese, I suppose, and this is a very purely selfish question, Burke, is the Venus Blue is one of my favourite blues. Is there ever going to be a raw milk Venus Blue? Never say never. <laughs> <laughs> um, at, well, we, we have made a raw milk Venus Blue before in in trial status while we were developing our raw milk products, but um, in the current form as um, rejected by the powers that be. Why, um, why is that? What, 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 is it, what is it about, say, the Meyer Reserve that is approved and processed and, yes, for commercial? What is it about the blue cheese that they have a challenge with? Um, it's, it's kind of too good for them. Um, <laughs> the, the thing with blue cheese is you want it to be nice and sweet and the, the act- activity of the blue mould breaking down the, the curds um, into a, a really... Um, smooth kind of sweet flavour um, increases the pH of the cheese and that's one of the, the hurdles of the regulations is pH of the product. Um, so to In terms keep of what aspect, and this for the layman's here, when we talk, especially in cheese making, obviously pH is very important, but what is it about the pH level that gets them concerned? What, what are they looking for? There's a, there's a higher risk of the potential for listeria to, to grow in a um, low acidity cheese. And that's what we want in a nice tasting blue is low acidity. As it matures, it, it changes from an acidic cheese to, to a neutral cheese and that's where you get the sweetness from. Um, so for us to make a, a blue cheese um, with um, a high acid um, isn't going to be the, the cheese I want to be making. So until the, the um, regulations relax a little bit through them having confidence in, in our process as being safe, then um, I prefer to, to make Venus Blue as it is um, with um, the, the right texture and, and flavour, um, being able to make it how I think it needs to be made rather than how a scientist tells me it should be. That's a, a very good point. Um, well, do you think? I mean, do you see those regulations sort of changing, or is this, is this going to be a question of time, or is it going to be a question of lobbying, or or education, or what? what yeah, do you education. Think? Yeah. It's a matter of as us as cheesemakers convincing the regulators to have confidence in our processes. So the the more we do it, the more we communicate with them um, and prove to them what is possible um, instead of just what's possible on paper prove it in the actual cheese then that can open up doors for us in future where we might have a bit more flexibility in future and it's just going to take time these things don't change overnight Um, but with the venus blue we've we've sort of got around the regulations of what five years ago when we we instead of um, making the cheese with raw milk we made our cultures with raw milk and so 
we're getting the benefits of the diversity in our milk into the cheese through um, developing a culture that's safe and then putting that back into raw milk into pasteurized milk so that we're getting a lot of the benefits of the initial life in the milk with without it being a regulatory nightmare well it was a, a yeah a wonderful segue because that was one question i was going to ask you and that's about how unique is the venus blue is your own cultures what was the um Maybe if you could explain exactly about the cultures are and the impact they have on the flavour and, and what drove you to create your own cultures to go down that, that path. Yeah, the v- Venus Blues started out, well, it's had lots of incarnations, but along the way, um, ASCA, the Australian Specialty Cheese Association, decided to um, get look into a project where we were... We had the opportunity to go into a, take our milk into a lab and find out exactly what was in our milk. You know what what's there naturally that we can use or is useful for cheese making, and so we participated in that. And when we found out what cultures were in our milk, some of them we had no idea what they did. They sounded interesting, but um, don't know what they do. And others we we knew um, what what kind of family of of culture that it is and what it does so and we identified that to be um, suitable for a blue cheese so we we started um, changed our recipe for Venus blue at the time and utilized those cultures that were isolated in the lab and there was about 20 different cultures in that and compared to most commercial industrial cultures that you can buy you usually have one two or three strains of of bacteria in them and you know we're looking at over 20 so that's how um with you know our eyes lit up and we thought yippee there's something here that we can use to make our cheese more interesting and diverse and it it did it it worked so we've run with that um, unchanged since then other than um, as the as times go has gone by, that culture that we've perpetuated over time has has evolved, um, and that's why Venus Blue is a little bit different some years than others. That we're just used following the activity of the culture that we're using in it. I always find the culture conversation incredibly fascinating. Um, I suppose this maybe a question here is. If we're talking about raw milk cheese and the importance of that and getting regulators uh, regulators to be more accepting of that, is there another argument to say that is using Indigenous and cheesemakers using their own culture, is using or perpetuating your own cultures in a cheese factory a stepping stone to getting regulators to accept raw milk? Is, is that a path or am I um, looking at something? No, not really. They look at things from the a different direction. It's more about the the paperwork and the testing for them. Um, it's it's the kind of thing that's interesting for us as cheesemakers, but the um, regulators are more interested in in your process. Well, as or I'm about to ask this question: um, you making Venus Blue using your own cultures is that something that happens a lot? In specialty cheese making, or is this a rare? Is, is this sort of a unique? Um, no. I'm not aware of anyone else really doing it in Australia. Um, and why and it, is that? Well, it is a bit kind of risky in terms of 
the consistency of your, your product. Is it? Yeah, okay. We, so it's we don't have as much. As soon as you start working with, um, with unknown cultures and particularly raw milk, you start releasing control over your product to the milk itself. Um, so yeah, you don't have as much control over consistency. You never quite know what you're going to get. Um, that can be a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. Usually, most of the time, it's a good thing, thankfully. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um, like especially the the it, and it is something that suits small farmhouse cheesemakers or specialty cheesemakers because we're usually happy to have a bit of variation. We can explain directly to our customers face to face why it's different different times of the year. Um, we don't need our product to be um, consistent all throughout the year, year in, year out. Um, and the, one of the benefits of having variety is that it makes it more interesting. Yeah. And also, not just interesting generally, but uh, a cheese with more potential to change is a higher capacity to have more flavour and uh, variations in texture. Um, if you take a, um, a, a soft white mould cheese, for example, um, a, a stabilised version will be just soft all the way through but kind of has a slight rubberiness to it, whereas a traditional um, cheese will start ripening on the outside and might be a bit gooey on the outside and slightly chalky in the middle, but that that variety of textures is also what makes that cheese more interesting too and that then has the higher capacity to develop proper um, flavours that you expect from that type of cheese. I um, I couldn't agree more. Burke, uh, it is always an absolute pleasure to talk to you, uh, in particular about raw milk cheese and cheese in general. Uh, we are massive fans of the Maillard Reserve and all that you do. Um, you're an absolute legend, mate. Thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat to us. We could talk about it all day. We could Thank talk you. about it all day. <laughs> Thanks, mate. For the entire month of October, we'll be focusing fully on raw milk cheese, chatting to not just Australian makers, but hear from others across the globe. Add to that, we'll be running some Instagram live chats and more. It's going to be rawsome. <laughs> in the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch, do drop us an email at hello at moldcheesefestival.com or via the socials at, at moldcheese. And if you could drop us a rating or a comment or even better, share these stories with your mates. It goes a long way to helping us spread the good cheese word. But until next time, cheers. Cheers.